This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, someone who led Donald Trump to victory in 2016, who says she's heartbroken he lost in 2020. Kellyanne Conway was his campaign manager six years ago, then after he won was counselor to the president. She just wrote a book about her time in the White House titled, Here's the Deal, a Memoir. And we talked to her earlier this week, and she had a lot to say, which is not a surprise. Kellyanne Conway always did on TV during the Trump presidency. She said so much, we had to leave a lot of it out in the podcast the other day. Today, we let you hear it all. And as always, thank you for listening to The Rundown and these extras, and we hope you keep coming back over and over again. Now, Kellyanne Conway on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Kellyanne Conway. She was campaign manager for Donald Trump in 2016. Then after he won, she was counselor to President Trump. Now she's an author. Memoir called Here's the Deal. Kellyanne, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. And congratulations on the book. Thank you. You wrote in the very beginning of it that uh, you've been quiet, uh, unusually quiet. It, it had to be weird to step away. You were, on the, you were on TV all the time. You were constantly out there talking to the press about the president. Then, you, then, then you're not. And you're, and you're writing a book. It had to be an unusual time for you. It was indeed. But I wanted to make good on my promise, Dave, that when I left the White House for my family, for these children who were going to spend the second consecutive year online, screen time and school time, which we know is never true, I wanted them to have, quote, more mama, less drama. And I made good on that, and that meant all the way around, saying no to many lucrative opportunities, a lot of TV time, and the like. And uh, then I'm I'm ready to talk. I think that other people have spoken for me, spoken about me, spoken as if I'm not there and don't exist and can't speak for myself. And, of course, part of my job was also to speak on behalf of the country and the president. So this is my turn to tell my story, the story behind the story. is not a tell-all and bore most, as so many of these dumb books do. <laughs> you said it wasn't insufferable. <laughs> That's what you uh, wrote. Insufferable, meaning um, I, I'm not speaking up now, Dave, because I didn't speak up then. God knows Kellyanne Conway spoke up then routinely. But there are some behind-the-scenes Um, stories, and I think it gives the whole country a view into the way President Trump made decisions and had many different inputs from his staff and from cabinet members and even people on Capitol Hill, business people, and all those different inputs allowed him to consider different consequences, choices, um, probabilities, and then he would weigh all of those and make a decision, since after all, he was the guy whose name was on the ballot who won the presidency. I appreciated having a boss like that. I think the country should be very appreciative of having a president like that, and boy, do we miss it now, because we have a guy, Joe Biden, who says here's the deal, but certainly doesn't have 500 pages like I do after that title, in fact, doesn't really have, 
I would say, a full paragraph or a chapter to speak of. You mentioned the president and, and all the different people he spoke to. You wrote in the book that he's always listening, and he may not be looking like it or he may not be writing something down, but you said he's always, he was always listening. Yes, and how do I know Donald Trump's always listening? Well, first of all, he repeats verbatim what you told him later that afternoon, that week, that month, or several years later. And it's pretty remarkable. I do write in the book that Donald Trump rarely forgets anyone or anything, even if you wish he would. Um, and <laughs> he's just got a remarkable memory. This is legendary in New York, legendary among his friends and colleagues, and I think some of his competitors in real estate and TV and these other ma- major industries in which he has excelled. Uh, why? Well, because um, they, you know, they know that a sharp memory allows you to play that chess game in business, et cetera. But I think it allowed President Trump, whose first political job, elective office ever, was president. He was one for one in 2016. That sharp memory and just a real-world experience as a job creator, as a negotiator, as a consensus builder, as someone who had, who had to close deals, walk away from deals, it actually gave him a totally different vista than I think all these other presidents have. And part of it is because he's a good listener, even if he doesn't agree with you. So we we had plenty of disagreements, but again, he's the president. I respect the fact that he makes the decision, even if I would have gone a different way, I'm not the president. And even if it was never, it was really rarely contentious, tried to be collaborative and not contentious, but um, even if he didn't um, take the advice, I know I was being heard. And by the way, every woman in the workplace should have that at some stage in her career. Each woman should, because having a boss, a male boss, especially from that generation, who's actually listening to female staffers, that's gold. And um, and I appreciate the president. You know, one of the dumbest things said about President Trump is that he loves yes men and yes women. It's actually not true, Dave, because he abhors obsequiousness. He doesn't want people around him who just say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, you're right, sir, sir. He actually wants to know what's new, what what you're thinking, how you're feeling, what, what's going on, what he needs to know. And I always look at my job as not telling him what he wanted to hear, but what he needed to know. And he's he's just a great broad shoulder boss who can who can hear that take that, assimilate that, and act on that. You know, um, during his presidency, though, there were all these stories that he would just rage in the Oval Office. He'd watch cable TV and shout at the television. And, uh, you know, he had his daughter there as an advisor. He had Jared Kushner. He had all these people around him. And and uh, he was, he, you know, he thought he was smarter than the generals, smarter than everybody else. When you would see and hear that, what did it make you think? It made me think that the people saying that and writing that and gossiping that, two things about them. Number one, they've never worked in any White House, little in this White House at this level, so they have no idea. It's just conclusions in search of evidence, gossip, um, people, employees, staffers in the White House who had to slink away in shame or who um, were fired. This is always their version of events. And number two, it seemed to me that the media had switched its job without notifying the White House, let alone the country. Their job, Dave Anthony, is to get the story. They thought their job was to get the president when his name was Donald J. Trump. And one way to do that was to have stories about leakers and palace intrigue and an unhinged president who can't control his emotions and who's just watching TV. Really? Because can we roll the tape? Let's look at the proof. I mean, let's look at the proof. Even if you weren't comparing him 
to the feckless, reckless Joe Biden, Kamala Harris presidency, even if you were comparing it to that, by any objective measure, Donald Trump's um, presidency was successful on so many levels for so many Americans. He did deliver for the forgotten man, forgotten woman, forgotten child. He, he did have a great economy pre-pandemic and then started to recover during the pandemic. He w- did preside over record Operation Warp Speed development of therapeutics and then vaccines, such that so fast that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got the shots in the arm before they even assumed control of the White House. He did recalibrate and make reciprocal these trade deals with China, with Korea, with Japan, with Mexico and Canada. He did tell a NATO countries step up. He did tell China and India and others, we're out of the Paris Accords because we're tired of paying for you to pollute. I mean, it just goes on and on. The judges, the border, there was no inflation like there is now. There was no big immigration problem like there was, like there is now. Babies, infants in Donald Trump's America did not have mothers desperately, tearfully, furiously driving around, scouring the Internet and the highways to feed their babies. And so any way you look at it, um, the proof, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Either he got the job done or he didn't. And I think Donald Trump works with a, at, with a volume and out of velocity that is not for everyone. But I happen to love it and try to keep pace with it. Yeah, I mean, on the left, I know so I know people personally who think he's an absolute monster. He tried to tell people to drink bleach during COVID, and he was impeached twice. He tried to 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 stop an election. I mean, it, it's so it, the people it, on both sides of President Trump. It's it's so powerfully divisive on both sides. Yeah, that's pretty typical, Dave, of the country right now. I think that we are a house divided across the country. The electorate seems very split. Washington is very split. You know, Democrats control everything, but it's a 50-50 Senate. Joe Biden, you know, didn't really get elected with a mandate to speak of, and that shows you have a divided Democratic Party, except on issues like guns and abortion, and they all have one point of view on each of those, even though the country has many points of views on those. And uh, look, I think in the case of President Trump, the reason people who couldn't wait to get rid of him can't quite quit him and still talk about him is because he was an active president. You know, the White House I worked in, no one ever had to ask who's in charge, who's the president, and what is he thinking. We all, we all knew that. And, you know, you're a radio guy. You should, we should all applaud the fact that President Trump presided over what I refer to as the democratization of information. So whether you like the Facebook post or the tweet or bringing the press into the Oval Office or running into the press briefing room himself and speaking directly to the public, any way you slice it, through any forum you cite, that was a president, a commander-in-chief, transparently and instantly free of charge to the country providing a presidential communication. So if it's a tweet, everybody gets to see it at the same time, Whether you, no matter what your socioeconomic status, no matter your, where you live, what your political affiliation is, everyone received presidential communication instantly and free of charge. It's pretty remarkable. And now you've gone all the way the other way. Yeah, now obviously he can't tweet anymore, and he was uh, kicked off Facebook all after what happened on on January 6th. And and there were a lot of people who were happy he can't tweet anymore because I mean, there were people who put up these counters of all the lies and all the tweets that he did. And then was there, there was always critics were saying he's lying thousands of times. The tweets, how difficult were they at times to deal with when you were working for him? Well, I would joke with the president that he needs to tweet like we need to eat. It's just about better choices. My favorite tweets were the ones where he was um, informing the public 
about something he as president was doing or a head of state he was meeting with or a piece of legislation that he was getting behind and wants to make sure that people, frankly, get behind their, tell their own congressman to get behind it. So I think when the president was in his inform the public role, but also, you know, people say, oh, he was personally insulting this one. Excuse me. He always says he's a counterpuncher, and there's something to that. He really doesn't draw first blood, but he tries to get the last word. It's an MO I sort of appreciate and aspired, you know, and, and, um, and also practice him some of my own dealings. But the idea that he's just supposed to be insulted all day long and not speak up, not punch back here and there, oh, it's beneath him, excuse me, it's beneath you to insult the President of the United States. You don't have to like him or vote for him, but my goodness, it's the office of the presidency. Respect the current occupant no matter who it is. That's what our grandmothers all taught us, right? But I think that um, Twitter, so he would, you know, he would draft tweets, and again, that's him, that's up to him. People would tell me during the campaign, Dave, oh, you're the manager now, like, put a fake bluebird on his phone. Please, stop <laughs> getting, stop tweeting, take his phone. I said, why would I take his phone? He's a grown man, and he got this far without me taking his phone. Um, and, you know, I do, I do write in the book that he said at some point, I, you know, without this, I probably wouldn't have got elected. And I say, well, with, with that, I want to make sure that we don't get unelected. And I'm heartbroken that he's not still in the White House. I certainly voted for him. I wanted him to win. I think his uh, second-term policies would have been remarkable and remarkably in contrast to $5 a gallon gasoline, infants who can't find baby formula, who hooked up the tubes in hospitals instead of just eating basic nutrition as provided through infant formula. The border would be more secure. Putin would not be in Ukraine. How do I know that? Because Donald Trump was president and Putin was not in Ukraine. Iran as a nuclear-capable threat would not be salivating as it stares at Israel across the way. Um, energy independence would be flourishing, would still be happening. So the list goes on and on, and uh, we know this because we lived through it. I'll tell you something, Dave, it's very fascinating to me. America is a country of sort of aspirational, hopeful, optimistic people. We've been through so much as a nation, and we overcome. Sometimes not quickly, sometimes not fully, but we overcome. And people right now are not even saying, I know it's going to get better. I believe it will be better. They're actually saying it was better not that long ago, and I want that back. Do you use oxygen therapy to breathe? If you've been prescribed oxygen, you know the problems that come with it when you're tied to an oxygen tank or concentrator. Going out of the house is a burden, and nobody likes to be stuck inside alone. Now you can live life on the go with a lightweight Inogen portable oxygen concentrator. Inogen is oxygen therapy that moves with you. Travel around the corner or on board an aircraft with an Inogen portable oxygen concentrator that provides the medical-grade oxygen your doctor prescribes in a device that weighs less than five pounds. Inogen's longest-lasting device delivers 12 hours of oxygen on a single battery charge. Call now to speak with an Inogen oxygen specialist and learn how you can try an Inogen risk-free for 30 days. Give us a call right now, 1-800-245-9878. Don't manage a heavy tank when you leave the house. With Inogen, you can get the oxygen you need with a system that's so small and light, it goes almost anywhere. Learn how you can can experience an Inogen system for yourself risk-free. Call now, 1-800-245-9878. Inogen devices are by prescription only. Battery run times vary by device and setting usage. Terms and conditions apply. For safety information, visit Inogen.com. You know, you talked about, um, you know, 2020 and you wish you'd won. That's still a big 
point of contention because he still insists that he was the winner, that it was stolen from him. And, of course, you wrote in the book that, that you were one of the people in his inner circle that told him he lost. But then he bristled at that, and he put something out recently that, that she never told me that, and if she had, I wouldn't have dealt with her uh, any longer, and, and she would have been wrong. Have, have you spoken to him at all since the book came out? Have you had any contact? Because clearly you did have contact with him after you left the White House still. I, I have talked to him since the book came out. And and frankly, I don't think it's a, a good criterion to have a single, you know, um, good criterion to have in whether or not to deal with someone who's been, you know, a, a strategist and the campaign manager and a very faithful servant to the, to the country that he governed as president. But I will say this. The president had every right to go and find the theft, the fraud, evidence of malfeasance and shenanigans, of which there was plenty. Plenty of shenanigans. I'm in, the, I'm in the movie that he's in called Rigged, the Dave Bossie Citizens United movie. Very good movie. It's about Zuckbox. It's about Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan, his wife, spending over $400 million, um, most of which went to Biden districts that he won, precincts that he won, under the guise of protecting us while we vote, under the guise of, you know, COVID-compelled voting measures. Okay, fine. But don't you want us all to be safe when we vote? Why just the 92% Biden precinct? So, I, Joe Biden, sadly, Joe Biden is the president, but I don't think election was totally fair because I think we'll never really know. Okay. And I write about that in my book, and I say, you know, I say on the person, it was, it was in reference to him coming up short before that December 14th deadline that the electors certified in the election. Now, other people had other views, oh, let's blow past December 14th and go look at January 6th when Congress certifies the election and see if we can stop it there. So everybody saw how that played out. Everybody saw the president's lawyers and strategists and I think a bunch of supplicants and showmen also coming before the resolute desk and promising things that they could not deliver. And it frankly wasn't fair to him. Um, Do you think it got bad advice to keep going and then to go out there and rally on January 6th? And obviously there's the fallout that's still going on with hearings and everything. Well, listen, he did not go to the Capitol. He did not. There's no evidence that I've seen, that I've read, that he knew what was planned at the Capitol. But, you know, to your point, lots of people have been testifying to the January 6th commission. We don't know where all that is headed. Um, I think that it's gone on long enough as a taxpayer-funded commission. Where's, where's the Joe Biden, the Democrats, and the few never-Trumpers school safety commission? Hmm? We had one in the Trump White House after Parkland. I don't see, you know, this this... This Democratic Party and the Never Trumpers, yeah, I repeat myself, they are so hell-bent on stopping him, on destroying him. It's, it's very corrosive to our body politic. And look, there are plenty of laws on the books that could be enforced against criminal or civil activity that was committed on January 6th. But make no mistake, David, uh, there were about, well, I read somewhere about 662 or so people in the Capitol that day that went inside, that breached the Capitol, there were 74 million Trump voters. And people want to conflate the two. All the Trump voters were in the Capitol, all the, all the Trump voters hurt the police officers and were being disrespectful and swinging flagpoles and gassing each other. No, that's a small, relatively small number of people. And the 74 million Trump voters, I believe, are a very important historic number for a sitting president. Highest number of votes any sitting president has ever received in the history of the United States of America. And who speaks for them? Where will they go? They, they actually want back the great economy, the energy independence, the, I think, the more affordability, more security. 
and they want all of that back. And if, if President Trump wants to be president again, I think the path is pretty clear. He's got to run against Joe Biden and have a rematch. So you you think he's going to run, and do you want him to run? I know he would like to run because he, he knows he's got unfinished business and did a great job the first time, by and large. And so I know that he's itching to do that. Everybody wants him to be the kingmaker, but he was the king. And there's more you can do when you are than just being the kingmaker and sort of living with the quality of the campaigns and quality of candidates that you're endorsing where you can have very little control over that beyond your own endorsement. So he would like to. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Well, you opened the book. You opened the book with the story about how you became his campaign manager, and you told him in August of 2016 that he can win, but he's not winning; that he was losing. Do you think that he might want you to do it again in 2024? And would you? Well, that's up to him. I really, first and foremost, what are the ages and stages of my children? What's my best and highest use? How can I help the effort to get rid of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris pronto um, and you know as soon as available, and then. Of course, moving forward, what's my best and highest use in any new Republican administration or White House? Uh, I love my public service job. I love being campaign manager. And I think lots of our voters, they really appreciated what I call vintage Trump, you know, the 2015, 2016, underestimated, understaffed, under-resourced, underdog campaign with the hunger and swagger and President Trump and, and for, excuse me, Mr. Trump and Governor Pence willing to go to six, seven, eight stops a day and take their message directly to the people. That's the kind of campaign people had come to expect. And that's the kind of campaign that puts leaders directly, directly in front of the voters. And, you know, the mainstream media missed this. It would have been easy to miss. But the fact is, whenever Mr. Trump was going to a city near you. Here he is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Later on, he'll be in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Then he's going to run over to Arizona, up to Nevada. Whenever he was doing that, he was often also doing, providing local interviews, radio, TV, print. And it was easy for the mainstream media, who's stuck in their own heads, to miss that, to just be in the press corral, saying, oh, how long is it going to take him to make fun of CNN and to say fake news, enemy the people, poor us. Instead of saying, wow, he's getting local press in this state, in this area, in this city, and the local press is actually not opinion, it's press. It just basically says, Donald Trump came to town and here's what he said. And that was really important to, to his 2016 victory also because it gave him this extra and outsized chance, if you will, to, to keep his footprint in that area where he had just visited, keep that rally going for days and days afterward. Sick of the one-size-fits-all method when it comes to healthcare, especially when it comes to your ED treatment? Well, good news. Now you've got options with Hims. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatments such as chewable mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for less. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you for free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time to join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com rundown. That's H-I-M-S dot rundown for your personalized ED treatment option. 
instructions. Hims.com slash rundown. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Now you have had a career of studying people, polls, reading the tea leaves of where we are. What do you think 2022 and what, where are we headed in your view? 2022 would, at the highest level, be a rebuke of what 2021 and most of 2022 have been, which is some odd combination of feckless and reckless policies by, Donald, by um, Joe Biden. The, I think it began with the chaotic and deadly withdrawal in Afghanistan where he ignored the advice of his generals, where he still to this moment says it was successful. Um, they lied that no Americans would be stranded. They were. Some, some possibly are. Um, they lied that inflation was transitory, that border surge was seasonal. None of this is true. And so I think 2022 in some ways is going to be a course correction against the Biden excesses and incompetence. 2022 is also in a very unusual way going to be a continuation of the House successes in 2020. So not a single incumbent Republican lost his or her House seat in 2020. And in fact, of the 15 seats that went from blue to red, they were taken by veterans, women or minorities, or two or three of the above. That's pretty remarkable. And with these razor-thin margins in the House and Senate, Senate is tied 50-50, Kamala Harris is a tie-breaking vote, and in the House, where the Democrats have the narrowest margin, since a majority margin, since World War II, it's not going to take much to, to switch that around, to really revolutionize it and turn it around. So I think it could be a monster year, but only if the Republicans have messages. You can't replace great messages with messengers. People want to hear the substance. They want to know how you're going to solve the problems, what you're going to do this differently, how you're going to restore a lot of this peace and prosperity that we all became accustomed to enjoying, including a lot of non-Trump voters. The book is Here's the Deal, a memoir from Kellyanne Conway, who was former counselor to the president in the last administration. Congratulations on the book. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me today, David. All the best. You too. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.